Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. folks welcome back to another fun episode of dangerous world podcast here an educational one coming in for you this morning or afternoon or evening whenever you're deciding to listen to it um we have something that i normally wouldn't touch um a topic such as this personally uh at least i wouldn't tackle this alone it's been talked about often you know what you're listening to because it's probably in the title in some capacity but uh we're going to talk about ed lead scalnan um, we're we're going to be referring to him as Ed L throughout this episode because his name is uh, a goofy Latvian name, so it's a little tough to pronounce. I'm uh, going to talk about his work, mostly about free energy. Um, I have been coached on saying that that is what this episode is mostly about. And then Coral Castle. It's um it's interesting stuff for sure. Again, talked about often, but my assistant here, the ex-intern at BlackRock, has... Uh, found some interesting information that she swears isn't going to get us killed by speaking on, even though it seems, uh, in the words of Tesla himself, he said that a free energy machine would never come to the market. Um, And I think that the government wants to keep it that way. So let's keep it pretty straight here. This is, of course, Kim, and you guys know her well. And let's see how much you guys actually like women, the one that stick up for women here. Uh, Some douchebag in my comment, or in my uh, Apple iTunes reviews was like he's demeaning to women no no only one woman i'm demeaning to okay and now let's see how much you guys like her because she is going to do a majority of talking here in this episode um in all seriousness kim your notes are really interesting on this are you uh feeling like you can kind of get this shit across to the uh listeners here pretty well yeah i'm really really excited to talk about free energy i think that uh like you said we won't get killed cross fingers we just can't post like any YouTube how-to videos okay. on how to make the free energy, perpetual motion, levitation, whatever you want to call it, machine that like has patents on it already. And mm-hmm. there is like forum groups where people get together and like share, you know, all the equipment it takes to build these things, and actually like, you know, with a roundabout way, they actually build them and show it off but like the key to building in this kind of science and building things in this kind of science is that if you build it like you're smart enough to not talk about it that's why it's so difficult like you said that it's like a common thing people talk about i really don't think it is i think it's it's something that coral castle is yeah coral castle is because it's like one of you know the things compared to the egyptian pyramids compared to like tesla's you know theory of a perpetual motion machine that he never put a patent on you know all this stuff well what's interesting about this is that it is a uh sometimes called the eighth modern wonder of the world it is is very fascinating shit i mean there's it's not really explainable how this was built by one man uh a feeble man and you know it's funny that you say and i know that this is true because i was reading a lot of the same shit that you were reading the idea yeah the idea that um 
you know, if you're smart enough to build this kind of shit, you're not going to talk about it. This guy had a third or fourth grade education. Um, Latvian uh, came over here by way of Germany and um, did. We're, we're going to talk about him a little bit, obviously. But first of all, I always like asking you when you bring these topics across my desk, <laughs> um, what got you interested in it? How'd you find out about it? And like what kind of got you falling down this rabbit hole? I'm such a terrible person. Again, this time it's from something I saw on TV. Like I'm a product of the television. Like it was my babysitter when I was a kid. So when I see something on TV that doesn't quite sound right like when they're talking about it on tv i'm like no 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 that doesn't sound right they're fishing and telling us lies now so i look it up and this one so this was wasn't sounding right to you when you were watching yeah it on... what they were saying like they were saying that uh ed is magic <laughs> this okay. like they were saying that like there's no explanation for it. and it was supposed to be like this um modern day monolith uh like TV show. I forget specifically which one now, but because I've watched a bunch of stuff on Coral Castle, but the first one they were calling, like they were saying there's no explanation. And because there's no explanation, it must be magic. Huh? Yeah. Like he's a wizard or something. And I'm like that, that's bullshit. If that is true, that's awesome. But no. So I looked it up. Well, so I wanted to <laughs> start this down a crazy rabbit hole. Sorry. Yeah, I wanted to start this episode talking about him specifically, but you want to start off talking about some other things. And I definitely want to talk about him because he is an interesting dude. But I'm going to let you kind of take the wheel here and let's see how that turns out. Yeah, well, no, like we're going to totally talk about him and all his books. And like he, I have an actual timeline of his life every year and stuff and what okay. he did throughout the years and stuff. But like. First, to know him, you have to know why people would care who this dude is. Sure. And people would care because of that Coral Castle thing that mm -hmm. people in the East Coast, I think, know a lot about. And I've seen on TV when I was a kid, and then I just saw it recently, and I was like, wait, that doesn't, how they're saying this is happening doesn't make sense. Okay. So, basically. So, what are we going to go through here? Like, you know, looking at all these little branches that you have, what are the topics that we're going to kind of list off throughout the episode here? Right. Well, we're going to, you know, just go over the, like, logistics of Coral Castle and what people say about it, and then um, who Ed kind of was. And then he wrote these weird pamphlet self-published uh, books that he left on his doorstep for people because they would come and he would charge them two cents to come and see the castle during the day. And he would leave books on the porch that they could take. And you and, can still get those books online. Yeah, you can download them or you can buy them at the shop. Yeah, or yeah. At the uh, site. At the, yeah, his actual Coral Castle is now a museum. And you can go there and check it out and buy a bunch of stuff. Um, so we're going to go through his books. Uh, he wrote three books. We're going to go through the hidden codes that are in his books because people say there's a hidden messages everywhere in his books. Like a cipher, you said. Yeah, like a cipher and a key, the two main books that he wrote. Cause he kept And he kept adding to both of them. That's another reason why. Is Ed a Freemason? Well, I actually have something to say about that real quick. His grandfather was a stonemason in Latvia. And I know that you don't want to get into that. No, but I no. Think that you it's so know that he's a Freemason already. Well, I do know Just he's like a Freemason. Just like his site, his, free, his website that's like dedicated to him, like the first picture that shows is like a blatant cartoon image of Ed wearing a Mason pin yeah. and like just this crazy actual cartoon eyes and like just weird Masonic symbols all throughout the entire site. So okay. it's like they're, they're pushing it. So is Ed a Freemason? Then we're going to go over his crazy, insane timeline okay. and like explain where the two missing years are because they're missing. 
Okay. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the reason that he made Coral Castle and like what the perpetual motion machine was, how he actually made Coral Castle. Well, the reason that, that he why. made it was because oftentimes why a lot of people do things, it's for puss. He was right. really obsessed over <laughs> uh, and heartbroken true. over yeah. a 16-year-old when he was 26, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what he writes in one of his books. And people think it can't be as creepy as it actually is. But, and it has to be a cipher. It's got to be creepy. If it's, you do it's something creepy like this. as fuck, dude. Yeah, I read the first 10 pages and I was like, Ugh. he's like perving. He's like basically obsessing of the purity of children and females. And I stuff. found. Oh, in his books, too. Yeah. yeah I found one thing when I was listening to some YouTube videos on this that he goes as far as, you know, in his little structure that he lived in on the property here. There were 16 steps to get to his little living quarters. Oh, yeah. He so was, was obsessed by numbers. Well, Enough- no, he was, that was 16 for the 16-year-old that he loved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. he. That's like, you know, it's very symbolic. Like, the entire Coral Castle is covered with, like, satanic and solar system, like, symbolism. Yeah, yeah. Carved into the stone that he, like, placed up there somehow with this magnetic, like, thing that we hmm. haven't yet figured out what it is well then before we get into that i do want to let everyone know you know if you want to get the full version of this episode or any of the other at ones all the other episodes three dollars that's it over there on uh, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast i appreciate the support on the show leave five star reviews tell your friends steal your mother's phone and leave a five star review or your dad if you don't have parents i'm sorry maybe steal your sister's or your brother's phone uh, make sure that you get some five-star reviews there. You can even talk a lot of shit. They're pretty liberal with what they'll allow to be said on the comments. So, uh, you know, you yeah, can... they said a lot of mean stuff saying that you were mean. They didn't was say only that one you were person. mean to me well, specifically. No, what's so funny? Whatever. What's, no, well, they said women. You're the only woman that I ever talk with on here that I, you're that the only I fuck woman, around I'm, I'm the only woman that you're mean to, I think. And that's funny. Because you're yeah. nice as hell to everyone. I am. But, you know, you, nice give, you give me a little sass. Yes, I'm a and, sweetheart. Right, you are. You are. He's a big teddy bear, you guys. But, like, he gives me a little just sass. Just a bear. Just a, just a bear. <laughs> The, in the gay community now so um no there was one thing that was real funny and i don't want to go on and on about this but there was one thing that was funny when uh someone was saying that i was demeaning to women and then the very next comment is a five star <laughs> where it says uh it, the title of it is review from a woman this podcast is hilarious and blah blah, blah. it was just so funny that yeah. like there's there's girls out there that stick up yeah for and me. then the one before the one saying you were like um being mean to women is like I heard Ryan has a big dick or something like. Oh that. yeah, big hog. Yeah, a big hog. Like uh, yeah, so those are always appreciated. Yeah, and then, so like it's a pish posh mishmash of comments. You can't take them seriously. I know, I know, but yeah. So I appreciate the support over there at Patreon, and then obviously DangerousWorldStore.com. And uh, just appreciate all the support, guys. You guys are fucking awesome for uh, listening and telling your friends about the show. And with that being said, let's roll into this shit. I want to uh, I want to see what you got here. I, I kind of breezed through your notes. I'm not going to lie. I didn't read them. Uh, so I hope that... Uh, <laughs> I wrote them so pretty, too. I know. No, they are nice. So, yeah. Um, so where do you want to start with this? Okay. So Coral Castle is basically, we already kind of touched on it, the world's only modern day monolith it's the only monolith that was created nobody knows how current times so i want to ask you right off the bat here why do you think this monolith doesn't get as much attention on it as like the pyramids as like stonehenge um fucking machu picchu any of these weird things like that why does this one kind of slide under the rug i think because the science of how he says he did it is like against the laws of physics. So people don't really take it seriously. And there's like 
weird TV shows out there nowadays that are like pushing towards he did this because it's magic or whatever. So like, yeah, I don't think anybody takes it seriously and nobody really knows about it because nobody knows how he did it. And there's Mm -hmm. so many different speculations. I kind of think that it's not as exciting to people because it's not connected to an ancient culture. This is a modern day monolith. It, it, it doesn't seem as crazy that it was built in what the 30s is that when it was built yeah yeah so he started building it in like the 1920 something i have it okay yeah later on but yeah so i mean it's not as exciting to people but you got to remember this is one man doing all of this in the dead of night and this is a sickly man too he's not like some strapping dude he's a little sick guy yeah he was like barely five three or four yeah and that'll become more incredible when you hear um the the things he was able to accomplish so Right, that he was able to move over 1,100 tons of oolite limestone. Oolite. That's the uh, porous um, coral-looking shit, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like concrete, like the color of concrete, and it looks like coral because it's got like holes all over it. But it's just natural rock, natural limestone. And limestone is interesting because it's a natural... What's it called? Current? Conductor. Conductor. Thank you. That's that word. Well, the pyramids are built out of that. A lot of um, monoliths are built out of limestone for some reason. Uh, Fucking Gibraltar. Another one of your big topics. Yeah. Um, Located in Homestead, Florida on what? A ley line. Yeah. Um, You found that. Yeah. I have this incredible book, which I will be reading uh, a passage out of here. Like it's the Bible. I'll be reading a scripture. No, I'm going to be reading a little segment out of this. It's called Anti-Gravity in the World Grid. Edited by David Hatcher Childress. And um, definitely, I mean, there's PDF versions of it. I think Matt on The Great Deception actually posted a link where you can get the PDF. I have the hard copy because I get down like that. And <laughs> there's this there's this plot um, of the planetary grid system. And it shows hot, cold, and neutral points throughout the world. And Homestead, Florida is pretty much uh, it's very, very close to Miami. I believe it's actually in the same county. And you see a ley line running from point 18, which is a cool spot or a yin spot. And this is the Bahamas. And you get from 18 over to the 33rd point, which is a uh, hot spot, a yang spot. And this is the Clipperton Islands. So it's kind of tough to describe in this, uh, you know, without a visual. I'll post this here for you and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But... Homestead is right on this ley line connecting point 18 to point 13. Um, directly a straight line running from these uh, two points here. And the first point on here is Egypt, uh, Giza specifically. So you have every single one of these monoliths is on a point. Easter Island's on here. Stonehenge is on here. That and can't be coincidental. It's not coincidental, but I just don't know. <laughs> and look at this. Like, just uh, read those last two for me. Last Which are the last two, two cold points? Are the North Pole and the South Pole? Which is very significant for later uh, when we get into the magnetism, magnetism shit. Here. And like, it's they're marked differently too. Like, they're marked with. I don't know what your book is. That, so the those are represent. both That's cool crazy. points. Both yeah. of them are cool points. But yeah. Okay. So back to Coral Castle. It took 28 years fully for one man to build it. Um, and let's see, it's a scientific anomaly. The scientific world has no clue how it was built and they refuse to acknowledge his explanation because it breaks the laws of physics. Well, and still like universities and shit like that, they 
cannot explain how this thing was made yeah, by and, one man. And like I've been saying this like for the last couple of weeks now, like like his theories are interesting. Like his theory is that you have to relearn new things every 20 years because life and earth and science changes every 20 years. So you have to keep up and keep learning and nothing is set in stone. There's no laws of physics. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't make laws in this kind of, and that's why people thought he was like magic because he was like talking all ethereal like that. Mm. But it's like nothing is set in stone. Like two plus two doesn't equal four, you know, in some circumstances of like math is not infinite in his theory. Math is not infinite. Mm. But like, again, he had a fourth grade education, so he probably just didn't need to use it. Or he didn't know how to explain he figured out. Well. He, he figured it out in his own way. So let's see. Um, the theory is that he built this using reverse. Well, it's not a theory. His like answer to how he built this is reverse magnetism, frequency waves, levitation, electrical current from a perpetual energy machine. So that is kind of interesting because I did hear that he thinks of gravity the same way that he thinks of magnets. He understands gravity, again, from a very, very rudimentary level. He understands gravity as, um, again, the same way that you would a magnet. So you can flip a magnet around and instead of attracting to something, it'll repel that and yeah. it comes in that's why we mentioned the poles because he polarity says he can magnetize anything the polarity um being being inversed will make make all kinds of shit happen and i think that this is where the ley lines come into play here and uh the definition of magnets like what a magnet is it's anything that can conduct magnetism at all so i mean they don't say a metal they don't say any of this shit and they to ed's point there is um, one of the most magnetic properties out there is iron oxide. And iron oxide is all throughout our blood um, in our hemoglobin, right? I actually did a little bit of research on that. Oxygen is very conductive of magnetism and our blood. The shit that is inside of all of us is a magnet. So, I mean, it's very interesting to think um, that this, you know, what would be considered in modern times um, an idiot, right? A third grade fourth grade, grade education that's why i think i can build one of these if i put my little tiny brain to it yeah but you have to forget everything that you know and maybe that's, that's why he was done. able. well yeah <laughs> maybe that's why uh yeah you're, you're like i forget shit every 20 days <laughs> yeah i'm like um i no, don't but know was that a snort oh god i'm sorry <laughs> yeah you're being recorded here people are hearing this um so yeah that's um it is just kind of funny to to think that maybe um because he was so book dumb he was able to pick up on this shit and really, I mean, exploit it. Sounds bad, but he, he very much did that. Yeah, and he didn't actually call it a perpetual energy machine. He called it a perpetual energy holder okay. because his creation was like a big metal box with a bunch of copper wires all through his basement that had copper coiled around glass bottles, I assume, as... So he would go dumpster diving and find these bottles and yeah, um, like old Coca-Cola bottles, <laughs> a lot of the shit. Yeah. I mean, any kind anything beer bottles and he would wrap the copper wires around. It, it would be fed back into his basement where he had one plate. And what I found that was really interesting, which I don't I hope I'm not jumping the gun here too no, much with ahead. the um, rock gate, which is initially what he called it. He actually yeah, created it wasn't called that. Coral Castle is called rock gate. That's what I said. Yeah. And yeah, so he would use for that that thing to spin. Um, he used a, an old Model A Ford truck axle to do that. So it was spinning on a fucking truck axle That's that crazy. he found at a junkyard. And and by the way, this is the a five-ton rock 
that a child could move by barely pushing it. And when yeah. Hurricane Andrew came by and fucked everything up, I mean, the it took a crane in 12 men and they couldn't get it back to the point that uh, Ed had it. So it's just wild. But yeah, I don't want to take away uh, from your shit here. So yeah, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. What was outside that people could see was a big, giant, like, tripod, like, two-story tall-looking thing. Tripod in the pictures probably wasn't that big. It was probably, like, 10, 12 feet tall tripod with a mysterious black metal box on the top. And that is supposed to be, like, the north and south pole. Like, the one pole was in the basement and the other pole was on the top of this tripod above ground and basically magnetized the entire property. And he was able to carve the stone with, like, rudimentary tools because... The vibrations of the magnets was just like cut stone like butter, you know, and he did this all at night. So under like mysterious, you know, in secret circumstances, which made it even more kind of like interesting to people for people to like want to pay attention to. That he'd build this at night? Yeah, he did it all mysteriously and people started paying attention. So what's crazy about that, too, that I heard is that he somehow had this superhuman sense to know if anyone was watching him too that was yeah. what was kind of interesting and he would was, ca- like caught people all the time yeah yeah he would catch people he wouldn't uh, ever allow anyone to watch what he was doing but he was not only like super secretive he was intuitive to know that you know he, he like felt eyes on him or he felt someone approaching the premises which by the way he bought the 10 acres in homestead florida um for ten dollars back in that time ten That's crazy isn't that wild the dollar a fucking acre that's pretty insane. That's pretty insane. So, yeah, like I said, like we're both saying, it's still a mystery how they built it. Um, the ground above the basement is supposed to be magnetic, and the ground below is, like, the base that flips it. I have no idea, but they basically... People have said to, like, heard humming and crazy sounds that would come from it, and he would, like, always catch people trying to sneak over his hedge and, like, look. Mm-hmm. Like they would, no one would ever see anything, which is really creepy. Like there's just so many circumstances. And, and he was adamant. What do you mean, so many circumstances? So many different like circumstances. Like like uh, scientists would come and investigate, and like investors would try to offer him money, and he would turn people down mm. constantly because he wanted to build it himself, and he wanted to show people that you can do this, and that like his books that he wrote, his pamphlets pamphlets at the time and self-published like explained without diagrams or math how to do this kind of his magnetic current kind of explains it but in such a rudimentary way that nobody's been able to figure it out that's well, i'll tell you in this cipher in this book that i have they actually do describe it well yeah because people have figured it out now it, yeah it's not easy i mean it's it's laid out right here in this book how to make an anti-gravity machine and it's not something where you're just like oh okay step one yeah Step two, it's it's wild shit. Yeah, his fourth grade education led him to write one of the books he wrote, and I'll get into it in a minute. But it's called Magnetic Current, and the weird, the weirdest thing about it is that students all over the world study it in science and like magnetic energy classes and shit. And it's weird to me to think that a book from a dude that's a self-proclaimed engineer yeah self-taught yeah self-taught sculpture engineer and author with a fourth grade education now has books that are like being studied by scientists all around the world when you mentioned something there too that the magnets and when he'd fire up his machine um it would make a humming and he was he was excuse me he was pretty adamant that the humming was no effect on the stone's anti-gravity. Yeah, he said it was all, all magnets. other science that, that hints at this says the contrary. So I wonder if he 
doesn't understand that frequency um, has an part. effect on this. Yeah, or, plays a part in it. I think that that's you're right. I think that that's what it is. Or uh, just, or if everyone else is just deliberately lying to try and smother the true science of it. I think what it is is that he learned it a specific way. Right. Yeah. And he was able to understand it and implement it a specific way that made sense to him. Like with all the bottles and the coils and the blah, 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 and like wires connecting here. So it looked kind of like a motor, right? A little flywheel motor is what it kind of was supposed to look like. But like, so it made sense to him. To other people, it doesn't make sense because we're taught different science and other people are taught science to where you need a hypothesis, you need diagrams, you need to do the, do the work in mathematics to figure out the problem, to have a conclusion, to make it work. But that's not how his math works. You know, it's not how his science works, and that's why people are, like, drawn to it. Yeah. I think that I could do this because I'm kind of an idiot, and I think I could build this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like his, I'm agreeing with you there. His but... writing makes sense to me when I was reading it, so I was like, I could maybe do this. <laughs> hmm. be interesting. Um, yeah, so... so power the electricity of this house. <laughs> well, that's what's crazy, is that yeah. he, when he made this, he... And, and maybe we can kind of, like, go into how he, like, how the methods that we do somewhat know about. So he had this thing, uh, which you described the bottles wrapped in copper wire leading into the basement to a plate. One of these cubes, it seems like these black cubes. Yeah. There's black, a black metal box. One of, one of two, right? Cause there was yeah. another one above there was ground, a giant had, one underground. And then the smaller one on the top of this big tripod. Yeah. So there was, uh, he would hand crank this machine and this is, you know, Tesla's alive back then. Edison's alive back then. And so is Einstein. Einstein is alive back yep. then, um, hand cranking and creating electricity, and he called this magtricity, so um, or magnetricity maybe because it's magnetism and electricity. Now he had these three long sticks. It looks like a teepee, and I found this really fucking weird that um, you know there's this black box on the top of this thing, and in theory, what we're thinking, what a lot of other people seem to think on these nerdy forums and shit where it's just all dedicated to Ed L's shit, yeah, is crazy. that There's... these are the, the polarity switching objects, and it takes some sort of effort to get these. You can't just have these black cubes, um, but those would, would flip the, the poles so that instead of uh, the magnet being the rock attracted to the opposite magnet, the ground... They would flip around and they would almost push off from each other, thus making someone so small and feeble able to move massive rocks like this. I know I could tell you guys what those uh, magnetic box flywheels look like, what people post that they look like. And this is no joke. They look like the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters proton packs. That's okay. what they look like. Like the proton pack, if you look at the back of a proton pack, it looks like a circle wheel thing that's spinning yeah. and a bunch of other, you know, stupid stuff. But that circle wheel that's spinning with like air holes in it, that's what that flywheel is. It's like, a, it's like that's what their proton packs are. Well, so get this. It's weird. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to play this video, too, because um, there there has been some flywheel technology, it seems, that was discovered in Egypt by I don't know who this guy is, but um, it's on the Mystery History 2 channel on YouTube. And so you can go out and find this. Who knows how accurate this shit is, but I just found it to be really relevant to what we're talking about here. And uh, I did want to throw in about the Black Cube, um, how the Black Cube was even, um, I guess, confirmed to be a real thing. That um, 
you know, when when Ed left, all of his tools were were at this place, right? All of the yeah. all of his shit was there because he got sick, took a bus to the hospital, and never never left. He died in that hospital. Yeah, um, who knows if he was even finished with the castle or finished with his writings? Sure. Who knows? Oh yeah, and he, so I mean, the theory is he died with a secret. But if this man um, potentially knew that he was, that he could die at this hospital, there is one thing that he hid. In a well on the property, and that's one of the black cubes. Now, what's wild is that during it's Hurricane Andrew, um, in the 90s, I want to say, Hurricane Andrew, which ripped through Florida, fucked up a lot of the south there. This um, army base, right? You know, FEMA gets involved in this shit. The army set up base at Coral Castle to because it was the only fucking area that was actually still standing somehow, right? I mean, it's wild to think. Um their communications were being heavily tampered with. They couldn't communicate effectively with other people in the area. The radio waves were being The radio affected. waves were being interfered with somehow. Someone went down in this well and fished out the black cube and pulled this thing out of this well. And they took it to get it evaluated. And it came back that a, the, these are not organic materials. This is something otherworldly. Not that of this, this dude, earth. That was the the quote. It's, it's yeah. these are materials not of this earth. That shit is insane. Now now who knows if that's a hundred percent accurate? But that is one of the stories. Um, again about Hurricane Andrew and these these military people. It's suspicious that he threw it down the well before he went to the hospital to hide it in the first place. Well, that would be the one thing that you would hide, right? Right. If it's if it has some kind of significance, like I think my hypothesis in years two we talked about this earlier is that it could have been like an alchemetic stone. Because like a philosopher's he, stone? Yeah, thing. like like some kind of alchemetic stone. Not to like, you know, people think that the first thing that people are going to do with alchemy is make gold and money and blah, blah, blah. No, they're going to make stones for for weird, crazy shit. Yeah. You know, and this probably was some kind of stone. I was either thinking meteorite or an alchemetic stone that he built that he does. That's why he didn't really need to deal with the Freemasons in America. There's no record of him being in a Freemason society or anything. A lodge. In, yeah, in in America. So, hmm. who knows? That's well, why he I was fairly sure. young when he moved over here, too. I, right. I mean, there, there's no concrete proof. I think that we both have a hunch that he is a Mason. Yeah. Um, he did heal himself with some sort of technology, too. And that's another thing that the, the Philosopher's Stone is alleged to do. Yeah. Is heal the sick, right? And, and when he was diagnosed with stage four tuberculosis, he had six months to live. Um, kind of a weird story there too. He was picked up on the side of the road and, uh, you know, this, this good Samaritan builds a hospice type situation for him in a tool shed on his property. And the doctor comes back and he, he continues seeing him way after the six months. And he's like, how the hell did you heal yourself? And, you know, Ed with his, you know, third grade, fourth grade education says with, uh, magnetricity. And the doctor's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but you're lucky to be alive. And then he goes on to make this incredible structure. It's just this guy knew something. Yeah, it's super, super weird. I'm going to um, play this video real quick since you, okay. you brought up the flywheel. I think it's super relevant. So um, let me know if I mean, well, that's how he that's how, he like explains uh, in a crazy fourth grade education rudimentary way. He explains how he did this, but nobody understands it. And then people of science reject it. Yeah. So here we crazy. go. Check this uh, little audio out. Alex Putney over at humanresonance.org has, for a number of years now, been unraveling some rather startling secrets. Secrets surrounding Nikola Tesla's free energy technologies 
and the systematic suppression thereof, and seemingly deciphering a number of astounding ancient discoveries, all of which strongly indicating one's highly advanced knowledge of sound waves, resonance, and indeed levitation of extremely large weights. Coined as the, quote, piezoelectric basins by Alex himself, it seems he, along with a number of other researchers' exhaustive efforts, have discovered some compelling and intriguing characteristics of many ancient ruins which litter most of Egypt, dotted along the banks of the Nile. We have, in the past, touched upon the possibility of sound resonance having been a factor in Edward Leedskalen's mysterious and secretive construction of Coral Castle, which can be found within Florida. Many believe that Edward somehow unraveled the secrets to the pyramids, and in doing so, was able to recreate his own rudimentary resonance machine, enabling him to lift enormous weights with relative ease. As our knowledge of our environment and the mysteries of our ancestors deepens, especially regarding their once mystifying and astounding knowledge of construction, left to ruin in many areas of the world, accepted as having never had access to heavy machinery, we must look elsewhere for our answer as to how these weights were moved. An outspoken local wisdom keeper of the Giza Plateau, Egyptologist and tour guide Abdel Hakim Ayan, has brought very controversial but extremely compelling knowledge to bear regarding profound implications of these astounding ancient constructions. Hakim's provocative commentary on the misconceptions of modern academics was broadcast in The Pyramid Code, a documentary produced by Dr. Carmen Bolter, professor at the University of Calgary, a documentary well worth investigation. It reveals several insights, including the advanced nature of the psychoacoustic and biorhythmic effects of these ancient Sanskrit monuments that he claims have all been falsely attributed to the Egyptian civilization. Part of his testimony is as follows. It must be noted that due to Abdel's intimate knowledge of the Giza Plateau, he should undoubtedly be perceived as a reliable source of avenues for alternative esoteric research. He claims that in 1936, while the Sphinx was still covered up to the neck in sand, there were tunnels he personally explored, claiming that past the Abu Ghraib, a crystal altar was found containing a round disc in the middle of four radial lines, a symbol of Hotep, Hotep meaning peace and food. This round disc was a lid on a shaft about 180 feet deep to the level of the ocean where he claims there is still running water and there is still, quote, much more to be found. So that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, that talks about exactly what you were just getting into um, with these flywheels and the flywheel yeah. structure or the housing, maybe it would be referred to these um, piezo uh, electric basins. They literally look like um, like old school salsa bowls or like you sinks. Know I mean? They look like white sinks a sink. without a hole in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and then sometimes there's holes around the rim. It looks yeah, like, to right? hold it in place, probably. And I imagine because it's rock, they had a bunch of them all lined up. And I imagine because it's rock, like the the flywheel in the middle, like wears the rock down. And it probably like some are cracked in half or some are like stopped right before they crack because there was a ton of them. And it, you know, gets it gets worn down They're like an air conditioner or something, right? Like you have yeah. to replace 
shit on it. Well, because it's not metal, because it's stone, and stone grinding on stone is going to cause friction, and it's going to cause dust, and Mm -hmm. it's going to cause, you know. Yeah erosion or whatever i want to start talking about ed's books because they're really creepy and strange and then we'll get into his timeline but his books okay the first book he wrote was um first published in 1936 by himself and then put on his porch and if you paid two cents to go look at his coral castle during the day you could feel free to take a book or take a pamphlet is what it was kind of called it was like 46 pages or something like that. And it was, this is what's weird. It was republished in 2010, 2012, 2014, and 2016. Mm. And he got a little weird with his books. Oh, yeah. This one is called, this is a long title, so bear with me. It's called A Book in Every Home Containing Ed's Sweet 16 Domestic and Political Views. And the Sweet 16, by the way, is this 16-year-old that he was obsessed with when he left. Oh, super creepy. Super creepy. But first, let me tell you how this book was designed. It was designed with the author's text on the left side of the pages, which is weird, like left-handed book, leaving the right mm. side completely br- blank. And Are you going to say blank? I bank is what I was Riddle, Riddle Asian. <laughs> blank. Okay. okay, completely blank. Stop being so nice to me. It's creepy. Well, I mean, I, I want you to get to the point. No, I'm just right. Um, no. Well, yeah, no, this is this is interesting. Shit. Yeah, the preface says why the right sides of the pages are blank. It says, reader, if for any reason you do not like the things I say in the little book, I left just as much space as I used so you can write your own opinion opposite it and see if you can do better. Mm. And people think that sentence that little paragraph in itself is a cipher because of the extra words he used you know like opposite it or uh uh, if you like in the little book instead of in this little book like it's wrote that's a direct quote yeah it's this is a direct quote and if you do not like the things i say in the little book it's just weird how he worded it Mm -hmm. and those are like keys for you know cipher seekers i don't know man i think that i think it's this guy's education level you know the way exactly i think that too the way that he learned English was he would go, uh, he grew up in the era of silent films in the United States. Yeah. He would go and learn English by watching the subtitle movies. And right. That's how and he these learned. aren't like proper sentences. I left just as much space as I used, comma. So well, you fine. can write your own opinion opposite it. Comma. It's actually not that bad. It, I, you know, it's just not a, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like a proper sentence. Yeah, and I mean, see it's if you do better. That's kind of, it's it's quite a bold, you know, way to represent his opinions. But let me explain the chapters of this book. Like I said, the Sweet 16 domestic and political views are pretty, pretty hilarious. So, Sweet 16 is a rant on the virginity of girls and the entire section goes into detail about the importance of purity in girls and how boys are sinners and need to stay away from girls because girls are pure hearted until they meet boys. And like, it's just so creepy. And then the domestic views goes into detail about the importance of parenting pure girls and it's the parents responsibility to invest all of their time in making sure their daughters are pure up until the age of 21 or something like that it's crazy or up until the age of 19 he's very specific um he says there's a basic this is a direct quote a basic moral outline and instructional guide on moral code that is what his second chapter is all about and the third one, which is super creepy, uh, is called The Political Section. 
And that is a rant about American laws. Um, the weirdest thing is that it says uh, only property owners should be able to vote and only property owners have the rights that Americans all together share, which is wrong and disrespectful to him. Um, and in the end of the political section, it has splashes of his magnetism theories, just random like, and the reason that the government feels this way is because their magnetic shifts are off, you know, just like stuff like that, like mm. strange. That's why, again, people think that this book is just a big cipher. Interesting. Well, and you know, it's kind of interesting too, that he brings up the magnets being off within these politicians um, is the this... lawmakers, he calls them lawmakers, but yeah, the lawmakers sure, have their magnetic energy off and, and, you know, then he goes into his second book about well, magnetic you... current because that explains how there's magnetics and magnets in your body. So that's one thing that I wanted to touch on real quick before you move into the next book. Um, do you think that that is possibly the case that maybe, you know, humans have a normal magnetic polarity and then the politicians and the elites have an inverse version of that because Elon Musk, from what you were telling me, is one of these people that believes in this weird shit. Where, oh, yeah, he fully believes in Tesla's theories. Well, Tesla's theories and like the, in the important one. And again, I hope I'm not jumping ahead too much no, go here. Go ahead, go ahead. The idea where the moon is going to fall, and, and they say in 12 years, I don't know when this 12 It's because the was. magnetic poles shift every, you know, millennia. They never give a date because it's always different because yeah. it depends on the m magnetic polarity on the earth itself and that shifts and changes all the time so what happens when the magnetic polarity shifts when it inverts the right. moon will fall mm -hmm. and this there's evidence even according to ed here there's evidence that the poles have shifted in the past several and this times. would several times and this would mean that the moon has also fallen several times yeah and in uh elon musk's theory of simulation world every time the moon falls we just start the simulation over and we don't actually see it we just we don't start it over to where humanity starts over we just like it's a blip and we're back to where we were in our lives and it just like starts over hmm. you know it doesn't like it just like reboots if you will and starts back to where it was so could this have happened in 2012 like refreshing it yeah it could have? It could have very much when CERN turned on, yeah. And it could have very well, like, the 5th of this July. It could have done that also. So I wonder if that would mean that it's happening more frequently here. Maybe. Very, very, very possibly. Because the moon, people have been saying that the moon's doing weird shit. I don't notice yeah. shit like that. But, and, like, even Ghost, uh, just two days ago, one of my, you know, Ghost, I've yeah. talked to him all the time. He was saying, he was like, dude, when the fuck could you see the moon during the day in the summer? Because it's always been the case during the winter, but now he can see it during the day. Yeah, in the we summertime. see it too. It's here too. And it's hot summer. as fuck everywhere right now, but yeah. not really here. It's, I mean, it's, it's not humid here, like it's in Florida. True. It's, yeah, the it's weather humid, like pattern. It's Kentucky. Kentucky, as soon as you get out of the airport, if you wear glasses, your glasses fog up, no matter what time of year it is. And that's how it feels here. But it's not as muggy. Your glasses don't actually fog up unless you like walk around for a minute. Well, but, it is. Yeah. Uh, I know it was 97 up uh, north, like in Pennsylvania, New York and shit like that. And it's only 99 here. I mean, usually yeah. we're right now this time of year in fucking July. You kidding me? It's like 110. Yeah. So the theory that like Ed was too, um, 
I don't want to say stupid, but he was kind of dumb. Yeah, we can't call him stupid. We can't, but like dumb. he was, he 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 wasn't smart enough to come up with the th- the theory of this is a simulation because that wasn't a thing back then in the twenty thirties and forties and fifties. It was with the technocrats, but he just right. wasn't in that group. I mean, right. he he had his own hard science, and he believed his shit because he could see what he did. He with was his own ma- eyes. he was making it work with his own eyes. Yeah, and he was trying to explain it. The best he could with the education he had, which is strange. So his magnetic current book was published by himself and put on his porch in 1945. <clears throat> it was republished in 1988 officially for science, you know, like I forget who actually published it. I didn't write it down, but it's a science manual now for college classes that teach science and deal in all kinds of strange like, you know, um, stuff that he was dealing with magnet magnetic current and stuff but the problem with this book is that nothing is there's no diagrams there's no math so they just use it i feel like they they use it in science science classes to like see if anybody can like is smart enough to debunk it right then and there or utilize it and show that they can make that work with just how he said it Mm. and they're actually like you know a core of like one percent of smart people they can figure it out without his without any diagrams like Mm. they can look past the science while still knowing the science kind of thing i don't know because they pass it around and students study it all around the world for engineering and all kinds of crazy stuff okay but uh let's see um basically the 48 page scientific diary is what it is all it is is documenting his various magnetic experiences over a two-year period while he was creating the rock gate and like, this is what? What's his diary? Uh, it's a it's his second published you know book and what's the title of that one? Magnetic current. Okay. And that's the one that classes use. And all it is is just a diary of his uh, him just documenting everything he tried to do to make the swivel door work. Not even the, the gateway whole, rock or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the gate on the rock. Yeah, the rock gate. He called his a rock gate. Yeah. He called his entire compound at that point rock gate. Yeah, while he was alive. Right, but what this documents specifically is the rock gate in his rock gate. You know okay. how to get it to swivel. Sure. And so it's all these like like basically just words and words and words. Too many words if you ask people that are trying to cipher it. Well, and get this too. Okay, there is um a lot. So a lot of people think that that you know the story of all this shit is not legit and there's a community around him that lived during that time and you know a lot of these people are dead now but there was almost 300 affidavits which are like punishable like legally if you're lying on them and shit right um saying that the story of ed l is true and there's a so the way one of the ways that that rock gate worked there was again a piece of rock that is in a museum Again, not found of this earth, right? And it was supposedly um, like a heavily magnetized rock. And that, when I said that to you, you hadn't seen that in your research. You said maybe it's just so magnetized that it interferes it's not, with the radio waves. Yeah, that it's not well that, and that it's not uh, recognizable by like what would you know consider it like thermite or not thermite, but oolite or any of these other types of rocks. Right, right. It, it, it. It's crazy to think that something's so magnetized that it messes up radio waves. 
And that would also probably have some healing properties. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, like I said about his magnetic current book, it's lacking in all scientific data and diagrams, but it reads like a super genius with a fourth grade reading level explaining the most complex magnetic pseudoscience ever known. Hmm. And like that's basically one of the explanations that, you know, a professor like to push the book on the students like says like this book explains plasma arcs and describes a concept that this is the thing that you're talking about the moon a concept of that the moon orbit does not determine gravity or sway the tides it's magnetic and it had but it has nothing to do with a female's period or or Mm. the tides or you know any of that stuff the moon is just there as a magnetic pole (laughs) <laughs> to help the magnetic Why forces are we bringing of the up periods? Oh, because um, some people say that like the moon controls the tide and the moon controls your period. Okay. That's why. Well, and you know what they also used to say, and this is like a hack thing to say, it seems, but like mm-hmm. the the term lunatic uh, comes from Luna, like lunar, and, yeah. and because we're water water bodies. So when there's a full moon, there's weird shit going on in our bodies. Right. Um, that book also challenges the conventional theory of electricity which Tesla also challenged, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's super strange. And then there's one other book that he published himself and put on his porch, but it was never republished. Um, And it's called Mineral, Vegetable and Animal Life. And that one is basically a four page booklet about life on Earth relative to magnets and frequencies affecting all matter. And he published that one, like I said, in in 1945. So this is later in his life because he died around 51 or 53. That's disputed. But um, he's starting to realize, I think, at the end of his life that frequencies has a lot to do with magnetisms. Because in the beginning of his life, when he first started having articles written about him in the newspaper and people started to come seeing him, he was like disputing that, oh, yeah, you're hearing humming, but it's not has anything to do with my building technique. You know, like he was trying to dispute that. But later on in his life, he realized that magnets and frequencies play a big role in a human body. And I think I think there's you know, everybody knows that bell frequencies and like the constant frequencies of like the bowl, you know, when they bang the bowl and whatever. I have one of those. The Tibetan. Yeah, the Tibetan. People are going to call me out and call me stupid now, but I have one of those. No, I <laughs> I have one of those bowls and it does feel soothing and it does have healing properties. And people are starting to learn that now. It's like a lost like science. And he like his book in 1945 says that and him healing himself, I think, has a lot to do with him learning about the frequency in the magnets that help him like heal. Okay, so let's talk about the codes hidden in his books. Let's do it. Or the conspiracy revolving the codes hidden in his books. There's so much conspiracy uh, surrounding him and about his methods and how he did this and the elements hidden in his books that uh, people have written books about his books. (laughs) So that's pretty strange. He's got so many supporters that people think that the first book, uh, A Book in Every Home, is a cipher and the key is the magnetic current book. And uh, for some reason, they're not even discussing the third book, which I think is is pretty relative too. if you're going to talk about a cipher and he only wrote three things. But it's it's pretty interesting. The hypothesis is to decode all this stuff to be able to achieve the perpetual motion machine in its entirety and to have it explained in, in, in the simplicity that everyone could understand without knowing anything. So that's pretty interesting, I think. Um, excuse me. 
the website, the leadscalnin.com, which is basically like a crazy tribute site to him, and it's got his followers in a forum where they share. That's a fun site. Yeah, and like all the all the on one side is the site is a bunch of patents of actual like true life patents of the perpetual motion machines that people have patented themselves and the government patents. And then on the other side is like links to the forums where people can share all of their extra tools or extra stuff that they have or any insight they might have. And that's where I found his timeline and people just like insanely kind of like the Tesla thing. I started to do with Tesla, Tesla and they, people go crazy about that too. So if it's so underground and nobody knows about it like in real time but there's so many people talking about it obviously it works like obviously this stuff works obviously there's exact models of the flywheel design created by tesla at first put into practicality by ed and then now you can follow a step-by-step tutorial on youtube provided you can find it before it gets deleted and provided you have all the exact specified supplies and equipment to create the machine Mm. but um like i said people on that forum have also said that like they'll post their step by step and it'll get deleted in a day or you know in the way it gets deleted is interesting it's trolls that are like this is fake science this is fake news and then they report it so it's like fake accounts that pretend to be fans or pretend to be people just reporting this so it gets deleted by the public and i think that's I think that's bullshit. Yeah. But it all just gets deleted and everyone, you know, you have to just do it, read all all about it and do it yourself. There's no actual videos unless you can catch one before. And the people in the forum will say, I'm going to post this video and then they can watch it and then it's gone. It's crazy. Hmm. It's very, very crazy. That site's probably watched pretty heavily. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Theories go as far as implying that Ed had an Enigma machine about the ciphers and the keys to these books. Now, Enigma Machine, um, because, you know, all this excessive verbiage and the use of the wrong words, which could be attributed to the fact that he's a foreigner, but who knows? They say that he had an Enigma Machine because he did come from Germany, and that's where they used him, you know, in World War II. But uh, an Enigma Machine was used in World War II by military to code and decode messages hidden by the enemy. Mm. You know, and so basically it's just, you know, the the message will say, I love bread and toast and my aunt visited me yesterday. But each one of those letters is a different letter in the whole cipher. So it's like a sentence or like a paragraph of things because each letter could mean a word or each letter could mean a a different letter. And so that's an enigma machine. You never really know without another enigma machine. So that's why people are having a hard time deciphering his crazy books. And so where does the Enigma machine come into his writing or, or possibly does it come into his actual work and well, construction they, of well, this they say site? they say that the he used the Enigma machine to write his books because they're so outlandish and so like like the Sweet Sixteen is so creepy but yet still very vague. And there's a lot of excessive words used. And so, like, the people on that forum will, like, take all the excessive words out, put those in a sentence, which don't make sense, and then put that sentence in the enigma. And, like, just, like, by circumstance, you know how conspiracy works. You've put one and one, two and two together. And somehow people have been able to decode messages about magnetism in his books. Interesting. So, and, like, no one has an enigma machine to do it. And there's theories saying that he did have one or he didn't have one. But the basic overall, like, 
a core group of hardcore followers of his say that he did have one and they're deciphering it without huh. an Enigma machine. That's how smart they are. Well, and that's what's <laughs> kind of cool. I mean, there's so many different theories about the way that this guy worked and so many fanatical people. Yeah. Um, where What are you getting into next? Because I want to... Oh, the Freemason stuff. So before yeah. that, I want to say that in the Patreon, I'm going to post this patented technology by Tesla because you have a theory that... Uh, Ed was actually a protege of Tesla in some way, right? Yeah, like uh, there are two years missing from his timeline, and that timeline is very specific, and people have been researching it for years. So there's no like there's no doubt in my mind that those two years that are un you know accounted for, which he was in Oregon, not that far away from Colorado. It's pretty far. We had this conversation. I know, but it's halfway not, across the country. But it's not that far. But like, okay, so he sold all his property in Oregon and then was nowhere for two years, and then all of a sudden reappeared buying property in yeah. California. Well, that is weird too because um, so yeah, he lived in he went from the logging industry. He was in like British Columbia, Canada. Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Um, now back to back to these patents. I am going to share on the Patreon a photo of this patent that looks a lot like the technology that um, Ed was using to, you know, extract and move these oolite limestone. Massive, massive pieces weighing tons in some cases. Um, they look really identical. Um, rather than two poles, you have three on Ed's. And then I do want to take this uh, little chance here to talk about some serious Tesla technology since he got brought up just briefly there. Uh, The idea of scalar waves. And I'm not going to act like I understand everything about this, but when you look at scalar waves, which I'll also post a picture of in in the Patreon here, and the way that they interlap, if you have two separate scalar waves um, moving towards an object, there are intersections that really replicate a lot of the earth's energy grid in a in a massive way and the theory and actually apparently there's some proof to this um if you have two different scalar waves and they intersect at a certain point that intersection point that is an area of energy free zone as it's called so this could potentially mean that in this area of two scalar waves intersecting which again looks a lot like an energy earth grid here that could be where shit could levitate or where poles could be flipped. So you see what I'm getting at here, just for you. Yeah, so that's the, that's the Tesla theories of how it works and it is proven to work and Ed implemented them and like the, the Egyptians did it first and then yeah. Tesla did it, but he was considered a joke. And I feel like Tesla, like he didn't care about money. He cared about like the knowledge of power and like giving power, free energy to people like that was is what he wanted. So I believe that he like put under his wing, not just Ed, but like a bunch of people probably. Well, and then a lot of those people get corrupted by that knowledge and they want to sell it or make some money. And Ed makes it very, very clear. (laughs) Ed makes it really, really clear that you cannot monetize this technology. It's not meant to make money. It's free energy. That's the whole point. It's not supposed to be monetized. And to to your point, I don't know if you saw this. And again, I'm going to post these pictures of what we're referring to here. On the bottom of U.S. patented UFOs, like flying saucers, there are these flywheels at the bottom. There's eight yeah. in the patent. Yeah, and, and it looks like the same flywheel technology. It looks like the same shit that they That's dug out of I Egypt. Think, like your theory that UFOs aren't real, that it's just a government thing. Well, there's this patents is, in this book well, that this says is, that that's real. Well, this is what I, I mean, that they're not from aliens. It's government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, there's a reason that... 
like the government has patents on this stuff and like we're not we don't get access to it yeah it's because that's technology that keeps them above everyone else or whatever you know like whatever entity runs everything probably has access to the alien technology that we call alien but it's been it's just tesla tesla technology and egyptian technology well and think about the implications when did and i actually have another fun ufo theory that i want to get into in a completely separate Mm -hmm. episode but if if the theory that ufos are just military technology if that's correct Think about the time that a lot of UFOs started springing up. Really, right around 1947, 1948, um, you know, shortly after World War II ends, right around the time that Israel is became uh, becomes a formal country, right? Um, it, there was a lot of shit going on with Russia. People in the U.S., the, the capitalists, were terrified of communists. And what better way to try and get the communists to chill out a little bit then have some fucking UFOs flying in their airspace and freak them out and make them think that there's something much more threatening than the United States. And then the space race starts. And yeah, all this Hitler crazy definitely shit. was trying to do that. Well, that was before all, the, all this, right? In World yeah. War II. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just interesting. And I have a story that I'm going to read here after we <gasps> get into know- the Freemason stuff you- a little bit with Ed. Uh, a really, really interesting example that happened right around the same time as Ed building Coral Castle or Rockgate, as he called it. Um, and it's a story about some Tibetan monks doing some wild shit in uh, 1939. But do you want to get into Ed and his Freemasonry? I was just going to tell you real quick that Tesla died right before the war, like right before World oh, War II. Yeah, right okay. before World War II, like kicked off. He was found dead in a hotel room. No, no, no. World War II kicked the off World in 39. Really? Did it? Yeah, it ended it... in 45. Oh. Don't think too hard, okay? Let's get into your stick My to notes. <laughs> okay. So, okay, now I'm going to talk about was Ed a Freemason? Um, aside from, you know, the blatant cartoon pictures and his, like, all the stuff and imagery that is on his leadscalnin.com site, that has nothing to do with... Uh, he does have a website for his museum, like he's got, uh, you know, his castle, Coral Castle is a museum and you can go there and it's got its own website. And there's a bunch of discrepancies on the website and the Lead Scotland followers on the timeline, date of death and date of birth and all kinds of stuff. It's really, really weird. But um, there is only two pictures of Ed doing the Freemason pose, but I think two is enough. Don't you? <laughs> are you talking like when he's hiding his hand? Yeah, there are two actual pictures of him in Masonic pose. The first one is published in a book called Coralis Pilis, and it's the only known picture of Ed in Latvia. It's taken in 1905, and it's showing Ed sitting with his right hand tucked into his waistcoat. His left hand is making an OK or an I symbol on his lap. Interesting. And the second picture is... Ed is sitting at Coral Castle with the exact same posture and pose. Wow. Yeah. So you're pretty dead set that he's a Freemason. Um, I think that like his family might have been because well, they were stonemasons. Yeah. So I think that that's like a thing. You know, he came over to America on the SS Pennsylvania with a lot of other Germans, but okay. he was Latvian. I don't know the difference. But he I'm came sure through it's Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's no proof that he had any affiliation with the Freemasons in America that he didn't. I think it's because he like learned everything he needed to learn. Uh, all his knowledge of alchemic properties exceeded any Mason that was in America. So he didn't even bother with them. I wonder how much, uh, like, how much, well, I guess the Bavarian Illuminati 
Um, that's where the Illuminati started in Bavaria. So, I mean, I wonder how much of a German presence in Freemasons there are. Again, he's Latvian, so it's different. But, you know, similar area. And I just wonder how much, like, they may have studied Tesla's work if if he was kind of coached into looking into that stuff. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting to think about. I don't think that he had that much of an affiliation with Freemasonry. Just because it like he was focused on like the science of magnets kind of thing. I don't know. It just and like maybe because that his website, that leadskalnin.com website, is just pushing it and like kind of like molesting your face with so much masonry image that it's like seems fake. So I don't really yeah. know, you know. Well, and it's, if that's it's, the part of the site that's fake, then that sucks. Isn't and, it hacky too to just say everything's a Freemason? Yeah, it's pretty hacky, and like, like his his site's specifically hacky because there's like, just every icon is a different Masonic symbol, you know, and it's just that's so hacky. Yeah. But uh, there is a rumored picture uh, in existence, not online anywhere. Trust me, I have looked for two weeks. Um, of Leeds and Ryan, you tried to look too for a minute. Who, who's Ryan? <laughs> Anyways, of Leeds, Scotland, Tesla and Einstein uh, sitting in a like Masonic den. There's no like uh, checkerboard floor or anything, but behind them is like a library, and they're sitting in wood You're chairs. Talking a lodge. Yeah, they're sitting in, and it looks like a den, like a uh, like a library, like an underground, like a pub, like a den, like you know, like a living room, dining room, den. Oh, never, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, what like, do you start? Turn fucking European on me? Come on. Den, it's in know? a den. Relax All right. here. Okay, back start to your old self. Foyer. I'm glad, finally. Jeez Louise. Anyways, so um, there's a picture of all three of them sitting together in Masonic pose, but it's not online. Yeah, it's, we can't find it. Yeah, we it's supposedly anywhere. like in a Mason's house hanging on the wall, and it doesn't need to be online was the excuse or some shit. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be seen because it'll just a ask more questions, you know, without any explanations. It'll lead to more questions. It'll lead to more questions without any explanations. Um, but yeah, there's rumors too that Tesla and Einstein hated each other, but in all actuality, there's pictures with them. Yeah, in all in actuality, Einstein was a super fan of Tesla because he and he thought like he he thought Tesla was way smarter than he was. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, um, Einstein was a hack. Yeah, so I really don't, I don't really agree with the connection of Freemasonry, but whatever. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, and and like I said before, we get into the timeline. I am going to um, do a little uh, reading out of this book because it's it's truly interesting. And like I said, this is right around the same time when Lead Scalin is fucking around with his Coral Castle. A lot of lot of interesting shit during this time, right? Um, right before the war really kicks off. Now this is actually the same year. If um, if I am right about that, 1939, beginning of World War II. This goes on right around that time. So. Um, this, this is basically, um, some alleged proof of some Tibetans harnessing some anti-gravity technology with instruments. And this goes against what Ed L is saying here. And basically that the magnets are all that has to be used in order to make something levitate. This is completely opposite of that. And this is directly related to the frequency. Now that's not to say that one cancels out the other or whatever, but I do find this story to be truly, truly interesting here. So uh, here we go. Uh, and, and again, this is out of anti-gravity and the world grid, basically a compilation of different stories, patents and proofs about um, the world grid and how it pertains to anti-gravity technology, which has been harnessed according to this book. So here we go. 
A New Zealand scientist recently gave me an intriguing extract from an article published in a German magazine relating to the demonstration of levitation in Tibet. After obtaining a translation by German journalists in English, I was amazed at the information contained in the story and was surprised that the article had slipped through the suppression net which tends to keep such knowledge from leaking out to the public. All the similar types of stories that I had read up until now were generally devoid of specific information necessary to prove the veracity of the account. In this case, a full set of geometric measurements were taken. And by the way, I'm not going to get into these geometric measurements. I'm going to cut, cut it off right before we get into that um, because it is just a bunch of numbers and that's wacky to read. Um, but a bunch of geometric measurements were taken and I discovered to my great delight that when they were converted into their equivalent geodic measures relating to grid harmonies, the values gave a direct association with those in the unified harmonic equations published in my earlier works. The following extracts are translations taken from the German article. We know from the priests of the Far East that they were able to lift heavy boulders up high mountains with the help of groups of various sounds. The knowledge of various vibrations in the audio range demonstrates to a scientist of physics that a vibrating and condensed sound field can nullify the power of gravitation. Now, this is uh, Swedish engineer Olaf, uh, Olaf Alexanderson. Um, yeah, Alexanderson wrote about this phenomenon in the publication titled Implosion Number 13. The following report is based on observations which were made only 20 years ago in Tibet. Now, keep in mind, this is um, around 1939. So when they say 20 years ago, um, this was obviously 20 years before that. So 1939 is the time that we're referring to here. I have this report from the civil engineer and flight manager, Henry Kelson, a friend of mine. He later on included this report in his book, The Lost Techniques. This is his report. Now, a Swedish doctor, Dr. Jarl, a friend of K. Jelsons, I guess, or K. Nelsons, I don't know, this is a confusing name, this is a Swedish name, right? Um, studied at Oxford. During those times, he became friends with a young Tibetan student. A couple of years later, it was 1939, Dr. Jarl made a journey to Egypt for his English Scientific Society. So pretty interesting stuff so far. At least I hope you think so. I thought it was kind of crazy. I'm going to finish the uh, account of Dr. Yarrow here in Tibet. And then we move on to uh, some of the timeline of Ed. And then also a little bit more on his perpetual energy machine. Some Freemason stuff. All the good stuff over there. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. Hope to see you there. And then you won't have to hear me plug that in the middle of a conversation. So thanks for for your support, everybody.